years ago on the NBC Tonight Show, uh, Johnny Carson did a segment where he was reading items in the lost and found section uh, of a Midwestern newspaper. And one of the ones he shared was this one, Lost Dog, Brown Fur, Some Missing Due to Mange, Blind in One Eye, Deaf, Lame Leg Due to Recent Traffic Accident, Slightly Arthritic, Goes by the Name Lucky. Well, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. It sounds like that dog was anything but lucky, but I guess some would say, you know what, he was lucky to have owners who cared so much about him uh, to run an ad in the newspaper. It's all in how we look at things, our perspective. I was reminded of uh, this uh, this past Tuesday. I went to the post office uh, to mail uh, a stack of packages. And all of these packages were exactly alike except for the address where they were going. And none of them were going that far. So they were the same item and, and same envelope, just a stack of them. And if you've been to the post office in recent days, you know they take each package one by one. And so she began working through that stack of packages. She would take the one, type in the zip code, it would print out the postage label, print out the other label, and on we went. So I'm standing there waiting. And finally I decided, you know, to break the silence and the monotony of just standing there and say, I, I kind of miss the old days where we just would bring packages and you'd say, are they all the same? Yeah, and you would weigh one and figure out the postage and just multiply it and say, okay, you know, they're all $2 each, you've got $9, $18, and I'm going my way. And she said, oh, no, I don't miss the old days. In other words, uh, I like it better. This is actually a better way. And she began to explain to me that in the old days, it was better upon the customer because at the window, things were a lot quicker, but at closing time... Those postal workers had to stay and make sure everything was just right, make sure everything matches. In fact, she felt so strongly about it, she said she hopes she never has to go to work at a post office that has that manual way of doing things because she said there's still some that are doing it that way. It was all a matter of perspective. To me, I said, well, let's go back to the old days. To her, she said, no, I never want to go back to the old days. A group of uh, first graders got together, decided to write their own version of the nativity scene. It was a more modern interpretation, a more modern presentation. And they had the familiar characters, of course. There was Joseph and the shepherds and the three wise men and the star and, and an angel propped up in the background. Yet Mary was nowhere to be seen in this presentation. Well, suddenly they had some bales of hay. Suddenly behind the bales of hay could be heard loud moans and groans. Evidently, Mary was in labor behind those bales of hay. Well, soon in their play, a doctor arrived. He was dressed in a white coat. He had a stethoscope around his neck. And Joseph welcomed the doctor with a, with a sigh of relief. And he takes the doctor straight to Mary. And then they had Joseph pacing back and forth on the stage. And after a few moments, the doctor emerges with a big smile on his face and says, congratulations, Joseph, it's a God. That was their version of the Christmas story, a first grader's version. Now, let me ask you a question. What's your perspective on Christmas this year? Don't answer out loud, but what's your perspective? We know the first graders, that was their perspective. But what's your perspective? I mean, we'd all agree that Christmas this year is different, right? 
I was just speaking to someone before the early service about the fact that it's hard to believe Christmas is here. And we've kind of missed some of the markers because if you've been around here, if you've been at church, you kind of had those markers in your mind. You know, well, it's time for the cantata. Then it's time for the children's program. It's time for the preschool program. And it's kind of a countdown to it. But this year, things are different. I don't know if you recognize it or realize it, but Christmas for some people is very difficult. It's very lonely. It's very long. It's very hard. Um, they grieve. They hurt. They grow despondent, depressed. Their Christmas is filled with sadness and, and sorrow. Maybe they've lost a loved one or something terrible has happened and, and Christmas doesn't have a spark for them anymore. And then there are others, and, and there might be those, I'm sure there are here among us, that it's a time of partying and rejoicing and, and celebrating and, and you just can't wait and, and you smile from ear to ear and you make sure you tell everybody Merry Christmas. And, and I mean, you're so excited, even with a mask on, people can tell that you're really excited about Christmas. I, I don't know what your perspective is this year. I don't know where you find yourself. You might be grieving or you might be glorying, but I believe that today's message will help you either way. So whether you're grieving or glorying in Christmas, I want you to lean in and listen for the next few minutes because we're, we're trying to see Christmas from Mary's perspective. Remember, we're seeing Christmas through Mary's eyes. And by the way, Mary had a front row seat to the Christmas, the very first Christmas. In fact, she was not just an observer. She was a main character in the story. So let's go look at these familiar words. Uh, you may know them by heart, but don't let the familiarity of them rob you of the blessing of them. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, or your, your translation might say taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the story that never grows old, but we somehow have a way of kind of getting sentimental about it or romanticizing it. We picture it kind of like the cover of a Hallmark card where you have this warm glow, this beautiful scene of Mary and Joseph and the baby and there'll be a few pleasant-looking animals around. It's just a warm, cozy feeling. But I want you to know this story is not the front of a Hallmark card. It, in fact, it is real, it is gritty, it is dirty, and parts of it are very, very difficult, very hard. Now, one of the challenges I have each Christmas, especially at a church when you've pastored there for a while, is to present messages on Christmas. And sometimes you say, well, what else can be said about Christmas? I mean, we've, we've said, haven't we said it all? And if you grew up in church, imagine how many times you've read this passage, heard this passage, stood on this stage and acted out this passage or some other church. And it's just over and over again. So what can we say? Well, some of it bears repeating over and over. Obviously, it's a story that should never grow old. But I really begin to think about it from Mary's perspective and try to see it through Mary's eyes. And as I did that this past week, I came up with three encouraging reminders that I'd like to give to you in our next few minutes together. 
as we consider Christmas from Mary's eyes. And the first encouraging reminder, and I hope they are encouraging, is this truth. And it's this. We we're all human. We're all human. I mean, when you think about it, this account has a way of helping us see Mary and Joseph as they were humans like us. They dealt with stuff. They dealt with life. Think about what we've already read this morning. They had to take part in the census. Well, guess what? We had to take part in a census this year, didn't we? Furthermore, they had to pay taxes. And guess what? We pay taxes. December is always the one of my vehicles has to be, the taxes have to be paid, not to go down to the to the tax office there and stand in line. This year was really fun. I'd stand in the cold lobby for a while and finally they let me in to pay the taxes. They had to pay taxes. They had to make difficult trips. Uh, they had a hard time finding a good place to stay. And furthermore, they had to give birth in, in less than ideal circumstances. These two teenagers had a lot on their plate and it wasn't because they had done wrong. It wasn't because they had sinned. In fact, they had all this in their life because God had highly favored them. Remember when the angel came to Mary? Twice he says, you're favored of God. In fact, he says, you're highly favored. Now, one would think that if someone's highly favored of God, they wouldn't have to deal with all this stuff. They wouldn't have to deal with problems and issues and everything. I mean, what gives here? But then we look at Mary and Joseph, and they're human, and they still dealt with all this stuff. What gives? Well, it goes back to this human thing. They were human just as we're human. And as humans, we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. And things are broken. And we are broken. And life is hard. But take heart, beloved, because God has a plan. And He's working out His plan. And part of His plan is what we're reading about today. It was to send Jesus to save us. We're all human. And because we're all human, the second encouraging thought is this. I hope this is encouragement to you. We all struggle. Now, the enemy wants you to think you're the only one. Uh, Satan wants you to think you're the only person who struggles. You're the only one that deals with that temptation. You're the only one that has that. You're the only one that deals with this. But that's not true. We all struggle in one way or another. And we need to recognize that. Let me ask you, have you had any problems, any troubles, any trials, any issues just this past week? If you think about it, it won't take long. Yeah, on Tuesday I had this, on Thursday I had that. I got that phone call, this issue happened, that happened. And you can think through the issues that you had. Why? Because we all struggle. You're in good company. Mary and Joseph, they knew all about struggling and problems. In fact, as I was thinking about this and making notes and writing things down, I found that I wrote a certain word down a couple of times in my notes. And it was the word inconvenient. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that really inconvenient describes a lot of this story. Think about inconvenience with me when you think about this story. First of all, there's the inconvenience of the timing of this census. I mean, Mary, hasn't she had enough to deal with already? I mean, she's waiting to join with her betrothed husband. And while waiting, an angel comes and says, blessed are you, you're highly favored, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. She's dealt, no doubt, with gossip and maybe some slander and people pointing and whispering. We talked about that in the previous message. She's dealt with all of this and now they get news of this census. They've got to go and register. And they're not going to register for it to win a trip to Disneyland. I mean, that's one kind of registration. They weren't doing that. They were going to register in order to pay taxes. Hmm. We know they're human. The inconvenience 
of the timing of this census. Then there's the inconvenience of the travel itself. Now, when we think about the Christmas story, we think about them traveling um, from their home to Bethlehem. We think about it in this regard. We think about the distance from that lobby to this stage. Why? Because that's what we've watched over and over again. We, they start out in the lobby and end up on the stage. Well, as I studied out, depending upon which scholar you read, but I'll sum it up and kind of average it out, somewhere between 80 and 90 miles would have been that journey, a lot further than the lobby to the stage. Furthermore, um, they perhaps traveled on foot. You know, they were not wealthy people. We always have Mary on a donkey. Maybe, maybe not. Furthermore, it was not a smooth, it was not like going and going out on the interstate and going 80 or 90 miles. It was through mountainous terrain. And furthermore, not only was it 80 or 90 miles, possibly on foot through mountainous terrain, she was pregnant with a child. Not the most convenient thing to make this journey. And then they finally get there and there's the inconvenience of not being able to find proper accommodations. Don't know if I've ever, you ever experienced that. I'll spare you. I've got a great story, but for time's sake, I won't tell it to you. You can ask about it later. But you ever got somewhere expecting to have some place to stay and not getting to stay there? And to make matters worse, it wasn't just like, you know, well, you've got to take a lesser room. The suite is not ready, but you can stay in a regular room. It's, we don't have any room. So you're going to be out with the animals. Now, we always have it in a wood stable or barn perhaps, but some scholars believe it was actually a cave-like dwelling where they had the animals. But regardless, they didn't stay in the plush, luxurious accommodations. They were put out with the animals. Talk about being inconvenient. And furthermore, there was the inconvenience of the birthing conditions themselves. Bringing forth a child, a birthing experience with animals and a place for animals to be kept. And then the child being born and wrapping that child in swaddling cloths and then laying that child in a manger, which is an animal's feeding trough. When you look at it, and remember, don't forget, this is all happening to someone who's highly favored by God. You're highly favored. Gabriel said it twice. You're favored. You're highly favored. But it seems like it's the worst thing and the worst timing, and the worst place, and the worst conditions. But that's from a human standpoint. We've got to stop and consider things from God's perspective. Remember, it's all about our perspective. Realize that God is not asleep on the job here, beloved. He's working all things after the counts of His own will. Caesar thought he was in charge. He thought he'd flex his muscles and say, all right, go get registered so you can give me some money. But God was in charge. And God even used that decree. To, why? He needed to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem because Micah chapter 5, verse 2 predicted well before it ever happened that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And so Caesar puts out the decree and God makes sure everything happened at the right time at the right place to get Mary and Joseph at the right locality in order to bring forth the Savior to fulfill prophecy and to save the world. You see, beloved, God can use, even use taxes to bring about good. You might want to file that away. God can even use paying taxes to bring about good. None of this is happenstance. It, it's all God's providence. God is working out His plan in His way. He does the same in our life. Mary and Joseph didn't have this verse I'm about to share with you, but they lived it out anyway. 
Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Let me tell you a story about a man by the name of Samuel Bringle. Samuel Bringle, as you can tell from the photograph, lived a long time ago. He was a worker with the Salvation Army in Boston. And he was going by a saloon one time and someone, a man, threw a brick at him. And the aim was good. And it struck Bringle and Bringle nearly died. It took 18 months for Bringle to recover from being hit with that brick. And during that time, he wrote a little book. And the book was entitled Helps to Holiness. And thousands of those little books were published and distributed. And after the 18 months, after he was able to to get out and begin preaching again, he would preach and people would come up and thank him for the book. And talk about how the book had impacted them. Remember, he just preached, but they're talking about the book. And Bringle, he would respond by saying these words. If there had been no little brick, there had been no little book. No little brick, no little book. And the interesting thing is his wife saved the brick. <laughs> I'd get nervous, wouldn't you, if your wife saves the brick to put you down for 18 months? But don't worry, because what she did with the brick is something very interesting. She took the brick and she had a verse engraved on it. A verse from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It's actually the words that Joseph spoke to his brothers after they came to him in Egypt. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. God even used a brick to bring about a little book that blessed so many people. But you know, sometimes life hits us with bricks too. And we get struck and we get disoriented, we get confused. We get discouraged. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what God is doing in our lives. But God uses these things for His honor and His glory and for our good. From Mary's perspective, things were hard. But from God's perspective, He was blessing her in a tremendous way. And it didn't seem that way really from the surface. But God was at work. And we see that blessing in verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We're seeing Christmas through Mary's eyes and we've already looked at the fact that she looked at an angel and she looked at her life. And here we see her looking at Jesus. Looking at Jesus. God in the flesh, Emmanuel. She's holding God in her arms. And it brings me to our third and final encouraging reminder today. And that is regardless of where we find ourselves We all need to look at Jesus. I said at the beginning that some might be here grieving today. Others might be glorying today. But regardless, here's my counsel to you. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Now, Mary was able to look at Jesus literally in the flesh. We can't do that today. We don't look at Jesus with our physical eyes. We look at Jesus with our eyes of faith. And we all need to look at Jesus. Some need to look at Jesus as Savior today. To realize that He came to save you and give your life to Jesus Christ. But I know a lot of you that are here today say, well, preacher, I've settled that. Well, you still need to look at Jesus. And it might be that you need to look at Jesus this morning as your satisfaction. 
as your satisfaction. In other words, you've received Him as Savior and Lord. You know you're going to heaven, but you've gotten off track. You've forgotten that He's the only one that can satisfy you in life. You're looking at things from an earthly perspective. You've got an earthly mindset when you need an eternal perspective. And you need to look at Jesus. You're busy looking at the wrong things. You're looking for something to satisfy. We need to look at Jesus. Reminds me of a story I ran across this past week about a man who was driving out in the country one day. And as he was driving, he saw an old man sitting up on a fence. And that old man was watching the cars go by. And stopping to kind of pass the time of day, the traveler stopped and rolled down the window and said these words to the old man on the fence. I never could stand living out here. You don't see anything and I'm sure you don't travel like I do. I'm on the go all the time. Now you and I know that when you stop to talk to an old man on the fence, you never know what that old man's going to say back to you. But it's worth listening to. And the old man on the fence, he looked down at the stranger and he drawled out these words. I can't see much difference than what I'm doing and what you're doing. I sit on the fence and watch the autos go by and you sit in your auto and watch the fences go by. It's all a matter of how you look at it. And it is. Our perspective. And some of us are zooming through life. Speeding, looking, hunting, longing. We need to stop and look at Jesus. We're all human. Because we're human, we all struggle. And we need to look at Jesus. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to redeem us. Jesus came to help us. Jesus came ultimately to restore us. He's going to one day set all things right and make all things right. And everything that's wrong, He's going to do away with it. But if we're not careful, we can spend all of our time looking for and looking at other things rather than looking at Jesus. We need to do what the hymn writer said when he wrote, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim and the light of His glory and grace. Friend, can I just encourage you this Christmas to look at Jesus. If you're grieving, look at Jesus. If you're glorying, look at Jesus. If you're lost, look at Jesus. If you're longing, look at Jesus. Everything, everything is better. When you look at Jesus, Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. And so I say to you, let's do what Mary did. Let's look at Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to praise you for sending Jesus. And Lord Jesus, I want to thank You for willingly coming and being born in such mean and lowly circumstances, identifying with us that You might die for us. But thank You, Lord, that You're no longer a little baby in a manger. You're no longer on the cross. You're no longer in the grave. You're alive forevermore and coming again to receive us unto Yourself. 
Father, help us to look at Jesus. Help us to focus on Him, to worship Him, to love Him, to exalt Him, to, to, to center ourselves and our celebrations around Him. Lord, help us to adore Him and realize the great gift that was given when He stepped out of heaven, robed Himself in flesh, born to die, but now is alive forevermore. We love You and we praise You and we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. And in closing, we want to sing a song that's kind of been our theme song throughout this Christmas season and our desire and our hope. I want you to listen to the words as we sing them and sing them with us as we adore our Savior today. Let's stand together and sing.
Christmas and don't forget to look at Jesus.